0: Good morning and welcome to the Messy Financial Podcast. I'm Felipe Medina, Certified Financial Planner, Senior Vice President at IHT Wealth Management. And I'm Chad Sewell, Certified Financial
1: Planner, Senior Vice President at IHT Wealth Management.
0: So welcome back everybody. Today is December 31st, New Year's Eve. Uh, Chad and I will be talking today about a year-end wrap-up and 2021 outlook before we get into the meat and potatoes of the podcast, we got to cover our compliance spaces. So information mentioned may not be suitable for everyone. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objection, objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. IHT is a registered investment advisor with the SEC. And now that we got that wrapped up there, Chad, uh, I just kind of want to talk about a couple of things here with uh, what we're seeing here in the economy now and kind of move forward there and we'll kind of jump here. So now that we're kind of wrapping up 2020 and moving into 2021, some of the things that I've been kind of paying attention to um, that just kind of came across the wire this morning is that we, we continue to see a jobless claims fall uh, the last couple of weeks here, which actually are positive signs that the economy is starting to pick up a little bit. Um, when we see less jobless claims out there, that means more people are, are being employed. It, it tends to lead to hiring is picking up uh, and that the economy is sort of starting to kind of find its footing. Um, and that, that tends to be a positive sign overall because we had massive layoffs and, and things like that due to the coronavirus, obviously. But now that we're seeing some of that pickup, um, that should be positive moving forward. And we should see some some uptick in in wages and things like that moving into 2021. But one of the things I wanted to touch base on was what do you feel was – the some highlights that we saw in 2020 and we'll move into to, to discussing 2021 uh, after we kind of kind of recap 2020 well i th- i think to start we
1: had you know it, going off of our previous podcasts and, and just things that we've been talking about with our clients the this year has really been i, I would classify it as the haves and have-nots um you know the market when everything started to to kind of dwindle um, back in March, the the markets started to take shape going into April and May of rewarding companies that are really based in technology or growth, and then you know the companies that are heavier in value were punished a little bit harder, and so like it took a little while for the the value based companies to start to gain traction, and so you know from Again, April, May timeline, you've seen growth technology really take off. Um, and what you and I have talked a lot about is consumer cyclicals being the epicenter of of the pullback in the market. Those have, have worked their way back up, but at a much smaller pace. Um, I think it was back in right around September when we were running the numbers, it, there was uh, a 7,000 basis point. Uh, outperformance by growth compared to cyclicals, which seven thousand base points equates to seventy percent, which is, I mean, for at that point, roughly a nine-month window, is huge, right? For for stocks to outperform other stocks by by seventy percent in nine months is is just an insanity, right? Um, but part of what you and I have been talking about, what we've been doing in client portfolios, is starting. A, a rotation. So moving some of the money away from growth and technology over to these cyclicals. And, um, since September, we've seen, uh, that, that be a pretty responsive trade, right? Like, uh, consumer cyclicals or the value trade has done quite, it has done quite well and has outpaced, um, technology over the, the, you know, the last three, four months going into the year end. And so, across the board, it's it's one of those things that says, okay, you know, companies have done really well in, in a certain area. Um, and just, you know, you and I doing this as long as we have, one of the common themes is things don't stay up forever, right? We both believe technology is great, and it's going to be the wave of the future. But if we're looking, you know, as we move forward, the short term impact of that, and of course, we'll, we'll dive into this a little bit more. Um, but that's kind of the way that the year shaped up in terms of the stocks right and for the bulk of the year u.s domestic stocks were were the leading performers right the s p 500 the the nasdaq those indices did so much better than than many of the other indi- stock indices that are out there you're as we're getting towards the end of the year you're starting to see a lot of momentum um like the russell 2000 has done exceedingly well over the past few months and um, last, last week, it's kind of had a little bit of a pullback, which, you know, by technical analysis is, probably is setting itself up for its, its next leg up. Um, but across the board, I think you're, you're starting to see where the stocks that have done really well up to this point, you're starting to see more money move in to, uh, stocks that haven't done as well. And part of that goes into what you were talking about. You're seeing some recovery in the economy. Um, and also we're seeing, uh, it's, it's always hard to say good news when anything is related to COVID, but it's some good news with obviously the vaccines that came out back a few weeks ago. And, you, you know, you have the administering of, of the vaccines. And I think that that has been, uh, t- a shot in the arm to, to the market over the past couple of weeks here. And so since, we talked about this back in our very first podcast that it, 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 I think my words were it was a, a, a race just to get past the election. And since the end of the election, the market's just done exceedingly well. And I know, Felipe, we were talking about this just kind of doing a year-end wrap-up, or I'm sorry, uh, for a year-end wrap-up, talking about how the market does going into year-end
0: is really a catalyst for what we're going to see going into the next year. Yeah, and, and that's some charts I came across actually this morning uh, kind of from LPL that talk about that. And it talks about when there's a 10% or more gain in the final two months of the year, it's uh, 100% of the time the following year is positive. Uh, this has been the best last two, uh, two months since World War II. I think that's the S&P is up right around 14%. Right. And the average return the following year, po- following that 10% or more in the last two months, uh, the average return the following year in the S&P is 18%. January is also relo- really, really strong at, at coming in right around 3%. So it, all, like you said, all these things are setting up to have 2021 be a, a strong year. We did get a stimulus bill passed, um, which, you know, is it enough? Obviously, that could, that could be argued. Obviously, things are going back and forth. And I still think we might get another stimulus package uh, down the line. But this one was, was was really, really needed and, and done just in, in the nick of time because a lot of things were starting to expire and a lot of people were going to be without without some sort of benefit at all. So I think 2021 is shaping up to be a great year uh, and kind of touching on what you had just spoke about with value versus growth. Um, there's some things that you and I look at as, I guess, leading indicators with where we see stocks going. And Last week, I was looking at a chart and we, we discussed this chart uh, when we see a divergence between high yield and and uh, the, VIX, the, the VIX. And the VIX is something we look at a, a continued basis. And we saw last week at the beginning of the week, they were kind of uh, converging, which is not necessarily the good thing. We saw them diverging towards the end of the week, which means the VIX was coming down, high yield uh, was coming up. And when we see those types of things, those are really leading indicators to just see that equities, should be moving to the upside. And we saw that last week and now we've started to see towards the end of last week, and now we're starting to see that uh, again, continue to move up and and we've seen an increase in in the the S&P 500. Moving into 2021 to kind of follow up with what you talked about with value versus growth. Are there any other leading indicators or things that we're looking at that will kind of of give, give us some ideas of where the next leg up will be value versus growth?
1: Yeah. So, one thing I'll say just to follow up on what you were just saying, when when we talk about
0: the VIX,
1: what we're really, fo- what what the VIX is focusing on is just the volatility in the market. And you and I have pointed to watching that VIX get under twenty is a big risk on level for us. And you know, for the last couple of of weeks, it's it's pretty well just. You know, stayed in this in the low 20s. I think we saw a little bit of a pop up to you know mid to upper 20s. But as we talk today, it's sitting right around 23. And so um, it, the the whole thing is that what, what what you and I have been talking about is if the VIX gets under that 20, it would be the first time since the pandemic started that we would be sub 20 on the VIX. And again, lower VIX means risk on because things are starting to settle down in the market. And so to, to follow up on that and what you were just asking regarding you know, where's, where's our next leg up, both you and I feel that the market is positioned for growth. And um, I, before we, we wrap this up, we'll talk about our thoughts on where the market's going exactly. But you and I have been beating the drum of, especially over the last couple of months, that value or the consumer cyclicals are the place to be. And there, there's a, a number of different reasons for it. part of what I was just talking about, that rotation away from technology into the cyclicals, um, money just coming in and, and finding undervalued companies. Because again, as we've talked about, there's roughly uh, $4.5 trillion on the sidelines right now. And so that adds into the tailwind of just the overall market. But it also is helpful for companies that are pretty beat up because this money that's been on the sidelines and missed a lot of the up of the market it's the pain trade. And so they're going to look for companies that have value or ideally look for companies that have intrinsic value, low pricing, and start to buy, it, buy them up. And so in addition to just some of those things, an interesting uh, chart that I was following over the last few re- weeks here that talks about the idea of real interest rates. And so what that is, uh, if you take the um, like real interest rates in and of itself, defining as if you take the 10-year treasury and subtract nominal GDP, that's going to give you your real rates. Now, interest rate environments can be particularly supportive of a good growth to the market. Um, GDP is used uh, as a measure of how rates should be relative to economic growth. If we look back to uh, 1960, uh, the 10-year Treasury has averaged right around 201 basis points uh, above nominal GDP, so that 10-year Treasury about 2% above nominal GDP. What 2021 forecasted nominal GDP is going to be somewhere around 7 to 8%. As we sit today, the US Treasury is just under 1%, I think it was at like 0.93 uh, as of this morning. So. If we just round it up and say that it's at 1% in nominal GDPs on low and at 7, that gives us a real rate of negative 6%. Now, we haven't seen negative 6% on real, in, on real rates since, uh, since for 60 years, right? Since going back to 1960. So what does it all mean? right? Well, it means that capital deployed earns unusually high returns if we're at 6%, or I'm sorry, negative 6% real rate, you would want to be long assets. So that means asset heavy. Um, The reason being asset heavy is is advantageous. The cost of borrowing is so low relative to the growth in the economy. Um, And so like when we talk about asset heavy, this is where value or these consumer cyclicals come into play. Like to, to just give a, 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 a name of a company, like if you take Boeing, right? Boeing is a company that has a lot of assets, right? Their airplanes and their buildings and their manufacturing and all that stuff that they, they spend a lot of money in assets versus a company that's, you know, like a, a Zoom media, right? Zoom is technology, so they don't have as much uh, money devoted to assets as a company like a Boeing would have. And so because of the unusually inexpensive borrowing rates, the, the numbers bear out that you know, since 1960, value beats growth when real rates are in their lowest decile. So the lowest decile is anything when real rates are at a minus 3.6% or lower. Since we're going to be in that environment, or most likely unless the U.S. Treasury just goes parabolically up, um, it it, it supports the idea that value, again, this in and of itself isn't the only answer, but it's another lever lever to why value or these consumer cyclicals should be pretty advantageous for us in 2021.
0: Right. And I think we, we were looking at that same chart. and. That chart is uh, 75% of the time that we've talked about value out, outpaces growth. And it's an average of 910 basis points. So that's a pretty significant margin there. So I, I tend to agree with you that it's setting up really well for those cyclical and value trades moving into um, 2021. And some of the things that we look at on top of those types of things is, you know, where, where is this money that is going to push this stock market higher going to come from and we talked about it in our previous podcast that there's still an insane amount of money on the sidelines roughly that four four and a half trillion dollars and again we talked about this in previous podcasts that eventually that money is going to feel some of that pain because of how low interest rates are and we're just not getting any sort of return in 10-year treasuries in bonds in cds in money markets that there's going to have to eventually come into the market at some point and looking at 2021 you know, there's a lot of things setting up. Uh, the economy is starting to come back and get better footing. Uh, the Fed's still really, really easy. Cash coming off the sidelines. The vaccine. Uh, all, all the unleashing of pent-up demand from consumers plus businesses and with capex. We should see a really, really strong year. And that that LPL chart I referenced earlier uh, points to those types of things setting up for this to be a good year. But Just because we're looking at a good year doesn't mean we're going to see the stock market go straight up from January 1st to December 31st. There's obviously going to be some times of volatility and in a healthy bull market, which is what I think we're moving into, we we tend to see corrections of 10% or more. And that's actually not a, a bad thing. I think we sh- might see some, and I think the technicals we looked at at one of the charts says we sh- We might see a correction here in January, February, March time or February to April time, I think is exactly what it was. Some clients normally when they see a drop in that after such a good run would tend to say, let's take some profits and be on the sideline. Chad, what's, what's your take on where and how we would move forward during those types of things and, and what would you talk to clients about?
1: Yeah, well, I think, So if we just take one step back, what we talked about in our last podcast was um, that we thought the market, and again, the market being the S&P 500 was going to be somewhere pretty darn close to 3800 by year end. And, you know, as we look at it today, the market, the S&P is right around 3730. So we're right in that neighborhood, we're right where we thought we would be, you know, kind of a stone's throw from 3800. And so with given where we're at, it's shaping up to say that the market is is set to rise to somewhere around four thousand in the early part of 2021. So, you know whether it's end of January, beginning of February, sometime around there, early parts of 2021, likely to see us around four thousand. Um, after we hit that that number, sometime there in the the not too distant future we'll see somewhere around a 7 to 10% drop which would take us back to around somewhere around 3500 after we hit that 3500 though the the again the technical data would support that we'd see somewhere around a 25% increase from that 3500 and so i think when when we look at from january 1 to december 31st i don't think it would be unrealistic for us to assume the market having a return of somewhere around 10 to 15% And so you know it's it's part of like even where these technicians come up with the data is you know you compare it to previous bull markets and if you look at 1982 and 2009 part of where we get this February February to April timeline is both of those markets after they as they were entering the bull market which is where you and I would stand that we've entered into a bull market that 12 months into the bull market you have a little bit of a pullback and I think what you said was was just spot on of, you know, these, these corrections that we see of somewhere around seven to 10%. It's not something that we would fear um, in the market. And matter of fact, not only is it something that we don't fear, it's something that we think is healthy for the market to get its next leg up. But I think one of the questions that either as we've talked with this, with other clients or with our clients, I think one of the natural questions to that is, well, what are we going to do with the accounts? Do we go to cash? Um,
0: what are your thoughts on that, Felipe? So I always talk to my clients about we're, we're, we're set this, we set this up for long-term and we're looking long-term, not trying to time the market by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Cause anyone that tells you that, is, that they could time the market is essentially lying to you. So what I talk to my clients is about is making sure that we are, in the correct asset allocation strategy for for your specific situation and and comfortable with your risk data. And what we do is when we see times like this, um, when we see run-ups in the market, like you were talking about getting up to 4,000, is we do take a little bit of profit and do trim things from here from time to time to reallocate and reassess the portfolio risk at that time. So as we see markets continue to run up, obviously making sure we are keeping our asset allocation strategy in place. We will take some profits at some point and and basically move either into the cash or bond positions, depending on what we're seeing with rates and things like that. So when we see that big run up, we could, could have some dry powder on the sidelines. So when we talk about that, when we see the big run up trimming some of the assets that have done very, very well and moving into assets that don't do very well. And then when we see that that decline come, that's when we use it as a buying opportunity. And I think um, there's no better example of that than when we saw in March. Uh, When when March came along, uh, the clients trusted us enough to to see that when we were in the depths of the market, we were buying during March and April, um, and clients were like, holy cow, we're buying stocks right now when the market's getting pummeled. But it's a very, very good time to buy. And we do that in order to kind of buy things at a a steep discount. And I think obviously it won't be a steep discount at seven to 10%, but it still could be a discount. Uh, And then when we see that run up back in the market that we're, that we're expecting in the second half of the year, our returns are are, are intensified because of that buying in, in in during those downtimes. So it's not about moving half the account to cash or being very tactical of jumping in the market out of the market. It's about, trimming positions that we have had good runs, making sure we're staying inside the risk risk uh, premium for, for each individual client. And then when we see opportunities like those corrections or like we saw in March and April, it's using those to our advantage and buying those dips uh, that allows us to kind of accelerate the returns for clients and in, in the future.
1: Yeah, and I, to me, I think you hit the nail on the head I, uh, across, the, across the board with all of what you were just saying. Um, the The obvious answer is if if the the data becomes so abundantly clear for us that you know it says okay here's here 's a time to take some some money and, and and realize the gains and put it on the sidelines and then you know have the cash or what 's often referred to in our industry as the dry powder to go back and invest then it's it's a no brainer decision uh what we have to always balance is that we want to stay long term focused and realize that you know, a a seven to 10% pullback in the market is just part of being invested, right? This is just, this is why it's called investing and not winning is there's going to be ups and downs throughout the the time we're invested. And if we think from January one to December 31st, the market's going to go up, then it behooves us to stay invested through that. Um, and, And part of me even saying that, like when I was, as I was doing some of this research and, and getting things together for our podcast, I came across this quote from Peter Lynch, who Peter Lynch was one of the greatest uh, portfolio managers of either our time or of modern of investing. Time, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he managed the, the Fidelity Magellan fund, which, you know, when he was managing, it was, it was the premier fund to be in. And what he, Peter said was far more money has been lost by investors preparing for corrections than has been lost in corrections themselves. And I think this is sage advice, right? Like it's it's something that we of course want to be thoughtful and mindful of, of possible pullbacks. And if it just becomes abundantly clear, we'll, we'll, we'll make the, the necessary adjustments. But I think more important than even a seven or 10% correction is how we set the portfolio up in advance so that it takes advantage of what, the market's going to do long-term. And so all that to be said, I think part of why we bring this up is to, to illustrate the point that it's, it's not unlikely that we'll see the market pull back. Um, it, but overall, that our, our stance on, on the market overall is, is really positive for 2021.
0: Right, and I think you hit the I got proverbial nail on the head. It's not where, again, that, that, that quote rings really true because you're saying, you know, if we see technical data set up for something, some clients may say, well, why aren't we selling everything to cash and wait for that downturn and then buy back in? Again, that's trying to time the market. And again, what if we're not right? The technicians are wrong and we see it hit 4,000 and it run up to 4,400 and we're sitting at 50% in cash or 30% in cash and things like that. So that's why we're never really trying to time the market. And we will, like I said, trim and put some quote unquote dry powder on the sidelines, but it's not going to be 30, 40, 50, 60% of your portfolio because that would, that would just take you outside of your risk risk premium and it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So again, just trimming positions, setting the portfolio up for pre-corrections, during corrections, and after corrections is what, are, what we're really focusing on. And we're never really trying to time the market. Like I said, we're really just trying to focus on making sure you, you win long-term. Um, and sometimes by doing that, it's just trimming and taking some profits from here to there. So yep. I think with with that, Chad, is there anything else you wanted to add before we wrap this up? Yeah, you know, I, the the one thing that I wanted to say, especially as we
1: were coming to the end of the year, you and I were talking about this um, before we, we, we started the podcast this morning is we both just wanted to send a, you know, a heartfelt thank you to all of our clients. The reality is 2020 was a tough year. And, you know, from March 1st to to March 23rd, when the market bottomed out, it it was tough sledding, right? And it was, we, we had to have, uh, we we wanted to have these conversations and and stay in the loop with clients and, and just make ourselves accessible and talk through what we were seeing in the market. And, you know, we appreciate so much the confidence and trust and support of all of our clients. Um, you you hit, uh, a point you made earlier is it rings so true is the, um, our clients putting the trust and confidence in us and, and letting us manage the portfolio and make the adjustments we saw felt or we we felt were appropriate led to really good returns and they've been handsomely rewarded because of you know our investment strategy. And for both of us, you know, our clients mean a great deal to us and we're so thankful for them and having them. And, and you know, more than anything else, we just wanted to say thank you to all of you. And we hope that this holiday season, although probably been a bit different, has has been relaxing and a rewarding holiday season season. And we both just wanted to wish you a happy new year and, you know,
0: great start to 2021. Absolutely. I think you were right on there, Chad. So with that, we appreciate everyone listening in and look forward to, to you guys listening back in here in 2021. Happy new year. And we'll talk to you soon.